You are listening to the Worlding Podcast, where we explore the relationship of how we are both shaping and being shaped by our surroundings. The podcast traces interconnections by inviting each episode's guest to pass on the mic to someone who has influenced their world. And now, here's your host, dance artist Renee Schadler. Welcome to the Welding Podcast, where today we continue our fourth series with my guest, Tia Chi Li, who is a Berlin-based dance artist born and raised in Taiwan. Today we're focusing on Tia Chi's research into the dimensionality of language and how to expand the complexity and nuances of the spaces in between words and information. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Hello, my pleasure. So you grew up speaking Mandarin in Taiwan and are now based in Berlin, speaking English and German. How has that process been for you, thinking and communicating across different languages? To talk about language, um, I first want to address that this is um, a huge thing to talk about. Yeah, for me, it's a little bit closer to talking about the universe <laughs> because there are so many um, doors and portals that you can enter and there are also so many gaps and abyss that you can fall out of. So it's like a big space um, that has various ways to enter. And um, so it is by nature a little bit um, resisting the definition And to talk about it, I would like to start with a metaphor that is well known in Asian because I think the source of this metaphor is um, from the Buddhist um, stories. So um, there was eight blind people. One day they encounter a creature that they don't know that it's an elephant. And... Um, They were approaching this being and then they start to get to know this creature by touching the elephant and then they are exchanging what they are encountering. And one person say it's a brush because this person obviously is touching the tail of the elephant and one people say mm, it's a pillar because this person is encountering a foot and the others say a pipe or like a wall, something like that. And then finally they didn't reach an agreement of what this thing should be because everyone feel um, what they reported as um, authentic, as truth. But um, at the same time, the other was claiming something completely different. So then they are getting into an endless arguing of what is the thing that they encounter. And for me, this metaphor quite accurately describes um, language as a hyper object that it is um, containing us. But at the same time, we are also containing the language. Mm, it's amazing that we spend so much time speaking and writing 
and it's true as you talk about this, I never really know if someone understands what I understand with what I say. I think a lot of effort is put into being as clear and concise as possible, but it is really important to keep coming back to the fact that a lot of nuances slip between the gap and are also created through body language, which is another part of this podcast, thinking about embodied learning and embodied exchange. So it would be great also to hear about how your movement practice is affecting your research into language and the nuances of the communication of the body and the communication of language. So the main practices um, in terms of movement, dance, and choreography for me is um, Tai Chi, Qigong, and Buto dance. And usually in the Western world, these three disciplines are kind of um, being categorized into one style, but indeed it is um, very different. And um, usually I am in the situation of explaining why they are different and how they are being perceived as something similar. And I think inherently they are all using the language um, that describes the immaterial realm. That's why um, in contrast to a reality that is more characterized by the material um, aspect, these three diverse um, discipline become like one similar thing because they are based on the same root of a language that describes immaterial in the intangible world. Mm. It reminds me actually, I learned Mandarin when I was in school. I grew up for three years on Christmas Island and I remember so distinctly sitting in Mandarin class and we learned how to write horse. So there were two options. One was to write it phonetically with the Chinese alphabet. And the other option was to draw the symbol. And it really had this energetic quality to it. I love drawing it so much. I drew it on all my school books. It was this very strong line for the body, one stroke, and then another stroke for the mane, so the hair of the horse, and then these strokes for the really strong legs. And I can really relate to that as you're talking about the energetic qualities in the movement practice and the languages which you grew up in. How are they translating to now working in English and in German and trying to create these more clear and information exchange formats, which I know you're working with a lot at the moment? So I feel like I'm taking the advantage of um, both systems and these really help to um, bring the information from one world into another world to um, enhance the research um, from both sides because Mandarin is actually a very abstract language. So a lot of um, definitions are from feeling, not from the rational um, perspective. So there are a lot of um, articulation or words or concept that we all didn't know how we arrived to a state of understanding, but 
people will tell you, you will feel that one day. And I think this is also highly connected with the graphical symbols because um, it's like when there is a picture or you en enter a space um, with a special arrangement or stuff, there is information coming from this alignment and um, coordination within the objects. And if you imagine that you make the character very big, then it is kind of like architecture that tells you something. So I think a lot of understanding um, in the Mandarin culture on staff is based on this encounter of how things align and coordinate with each other. And with the more well-defined um, world of language, for example, this is how I feel with English and German language, I can actually more effectively um, wrap this big bag of information to deliver. So I feel like the English has the quality of a vector that can deliver a certain package um, to a places. So I'm combining these two um, so it gives the mobility of something that needs to be experienced and then give the mobility of this quality. Oh, that's so interesting. Also in terms of how we articulate our worlds and then how the world articulates us, just going back to this idea of the worlding practice, so being in dialogue with the space around us, has that also affected you in which language you communicate or in which language what you're experiencing is described in by another? Just thinking about that really nice sweet spot between the two different cultural realms. I think now I feel like I'm in a comfortable position to navigate in both worlds. So... Funny-wise, there was a time that I actually could articulate better in English than in Mandarin because um, most of my work-related stuff and my research are starting from English. So there was a time I couldn't articulate my practice in my own mother tongue. But now um, with the embodied practice, um, this brings me back to connecting um, the conceptual realm with the um, physical and uh, sensory and the energetic realm in my own language. And so I also start to perceive language as something um, that is always in transition. So for example, I would say now my native language is a mixture of embodied practice in English and Mandarin because I cannot describe my current world without using all of them. Oh, that's a beautiful mixing actually of things coming together and assimilating and shifting between one and the other. I think that's feels very organic, I can imagine. And yeah, not an easy thing to achieve. I know you also refer to language as embodied anatomy. I would love to go a little bit more into these ideas for listeners that maybe also don't come from a dance background. How I would describe language as embodied anatomy is um, 
The first cutting point would be how we approach complexity. Because we all know with anatomy, there are so many layers that you can cut into this united but also separated reality that is happening within our body and constantly expanding also into the inside and into the outside of worlds. And the way how embody anatomy start the, the investigation, like you usually work with one very simple thing, or you also work with um, abstraction and having a thought in mind that you are not simplifying the thing, but you are using the abstraction only to able to be able to unfold more complexity that is not being graspable from the way we structure, the way we approach complexity. Would there be an example of a word that you could approach as embodied anatomy? Just to talk us through a little bit how we could integrate that into how we're thinking and moving through the world at the moment. I would say the base of language and our action, our thought, and the way we make relation um, is like a vertebra in the spine. So each vertebra has its own movement and its own dimension, but they are connecting um, as a whole that is constantly unfolding new characters that is um, sustaining a system in a way that is also aligning with um, what are the forces that give us this structure. Hmm. It makes me think of an earlier episode of Welding with Samuel Hertz, and he really also went into complexity. And I remember his sentences were actually very long. There were a lot of commas. So something would be explained and then a comma would be added with an idea of how that could shift. Say the weather changes and there is a slight breeze. So then what was said as the example slightly shifted. And it was really nice actually to have that time because it takes more time to give different options for what's being said or the information changes in different contexts. So I really see that actually, that idea of an oscillating spine and all the different parts of the vertebra that make up meaning making and articulation of a world. It's very nuanced, actually, which I really appreciate. As part of this podcast, we're inviting listeners to experience research and different ways of thinking through the body. Is there a embodied practice or offering you could lead us through, Sietchi? Yes, I would like to invite you to join a little game embodied game with me that is to enchant the intimacy of us and space as a network of entities 
Where are you now? Are you under the sky? Are you on the ground? Are you in your own nest? Are you in a space that fills with new encounters? Are you in somewhere that is somehow public? Spend a little moment to open the full spectrum of perception. Now I will invite you to emit a sound. Could be a language be just a sound to initiate a contact with this space to touch everything with this vibration you generate from your body as a network of spaces. If the places you are in make you feel awkward about this, enjoy this awkwardness And maybe try to observe the sensation of the threshold you need to cross before this vibration leaves your lip and release into the world. Now we have been initiated the first point of contact. We will introduce ourselves to this space as entities that we don't know by introducing ourselves 
in three sentences. I will encourage you to talk about you from the eye of the present that is constantly evolving into the future. So the space is receiving your becomings. And your conversation with this space will constantly feed this becoming into its motions. I will make three sentences now to introduce myself to the space. I feel vulnerable but soft. I want to move myself into the fresh air. I want to take things slow today. Now we will repeat The free sentence we just informed the space again, but we exchange the I into we. We feel soft and vulnerable. We want to bring ourselves into fresh air. We want to take everything slow today. The last round of completing this spell, we will repeat these three sentences one more time, but this time we will exchange we into some of us. Some of us feel vulnerable and soft. Some of us want to bring us into the fresh air. Some of us want to take it slow. Today. 
Close your eyes for a short moment. Now it's time to receive. All the vibrations you send out is coming back to you in the form of a reflection. The space around me feels very dense. What a insightful offering. Thank you so much for this journey into embodied language, language as anatomy and this really rich cultural journey also into your personal context. It's very generous of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before we part, I would love to hear who you're recommending for the next part of this conversation, which began with Diego Agujo and will continue onwards. Who have you lined up for us to speak with? So I will pass the speaking stick to a beloved friend of mine called Suki. She's a um, transgender Bhutto artist, currently also based in Berlin. Super. I'm looking forward to that conversation and I really enjoyed our exchange. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, too. Thank you for listening to The Worlding Podcast. Gefördert durch die Beauftragte der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien im Programm Neustart Kultur. Hilfsprogramm des Tanzen des Dachverband Tanz Deutschland.